Okay. Can you hear? Okay, good. I guess we're wired properly now. <laughs> Before the Sunday laws, these must occur. <clears throat> Seventh-day Adventists are riveted on the issue of Sunday laws. Many assume incorrectly that the next major event that will herald the coming of Christ will be the passage of Sunday laws. There are websites and YouTube sermons from Adventist laymen addressing this as urgent news fulfilling Revelation 13 and the Mark of the Beast crises. Many report Sunday news items from the papacy to U.S. Congress as sensational prophetic issues. Many get on the edge of their seats when the Pope says something about the importance of a rest day or the climate change accords will be tools for Sunday laws. No work on Sunday means less polluted atmosphere. Or when evangelicals visit the Pope, they're reaching across the Gulf, an e.g. white cliche. Or when counting the number of Catholics in Congress and or the Supreme Court, the stage is certainly set for these laws to be passed. Or when the President of the United States makes a religious statement. But these have marginal prophetic significance, at least for now. Restrictive worship day laws are a distinct part of Daniel's apocalyptic prophecies. In fact, Daniel states that they will herald the onset of Earth's last timing prophecies, <coughs> followed by persecution just before Jesus comes. Christians should be keenly aware of those Sabbath laws in Daniel that will herald the time of the end. A.G. White affirms their importance and even calls that period the end of time, Testimonies to Ministers, page 114. But there are many things that must occur before that legal Sabbath event happens. What are we missing? That is what we want to address in this study. Peter eloquently addressed prophetic issues when he said, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Though initially alluding to the first advent, his logic and entreaties soon moved to the second coming in 1 Peter 3. Now let's look at the events that must precede the Sunday laws. <coughs> Event number one, preparation of saints to announce Christ's coming. An amazing issue is raised in the parable of the ten virgins. At midnight, symbolically, when the world reaches its darkest hour, a cry goes up, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him, Matthew 25, 6. Who is or are the ones who cry, the time has come for the wedding procession to begin? That cry awakens the ten virgins. Someone else made that call. It is clear that one of the great missions of the 144,000 will be to give Earth's final call, intimated in 3T to 66. 
even through unlikely leaders, page 214. This is clearly presented in many prophecies. An example is Daniel 8's ram horns. Mrs. White said that when the Sunday laws are enforced, a bold work begins. And I think we talked last time when we were here about this, that Ellen White discusses many different kinds of Sunday laws at the end. The three angels' messages will follow in earnest by a prepared group of individuals. When did they study and get ready to announce that the time has come for the bridegroom to make his debut? There are rich prophecies in Daniel and Revelation that suggest that the time, the final time to prepare, is the fall before the spring Sunday laws. It is a feast of trumpet issues. And I was thinking perhaps this morning that maybe that might be a good study to come here sometime and talk about the different feasts and why they're prophetic. Part of that preparation requires a thorough knowledge of the unsealed book of Daniel, the Hahazon portion, that's Hebrew, shown in Revelation 10 and the seven churches' message in Revelation 2 and 3. So there's a preparation, event number one. And I don't think there are very many people that have that knowledge base as yet. The 144,000 must have an early rain experience before the Sunday laws. A very unique issue that is critical to our understanding of end time prophecy and our becoming effective witnesses relates to the work of the Holy Spirit within us. We may be sure, Ellen White says, that when the Holy Spirit is poured out, speaking of the latter rain, those who did not receive and appreciate the early rain will not see or understand the value of the latter rain. That's serious. In studying the Jewish theocracy, which was tied to their agrarian life, there were two annual rains that brought the harvest to maturity. The early rain began the growth of the barley and the wheat grains, and the latter rain brought the wheat to its head so it could be harvested in early summer. The barley ripened early in the spring just from the early rain. Rain is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Joel especially talks about this. The 144,000 symbolized by the spring barley will help finish the gospel work. The summer wheat, those who respond to the call, the great multitude. A group of people, the 144,000, are set aside, not yet sealed, at the latest in the fall of the year, the time of the early rain. They are already ripe when the latter rain comes and the wheat is getting ready to harvest. Has that already begun? Is there a group of people who are under the deepest spiritual conviction preparing to finish the gospel work? We cannot be sure, but it is possible that scattered throughout the world, there are those who have unmitigated loyalty to Jesus Christ and are prepared to study and sacrifice everything for the last Christian cause. Maybe here this morning in this room are such individuals. 
The Bible makes clear that when those religious laws are passed, apparently first in the United States, and we'll talk about that more this afternoon, that group of individuals is already prepared to go out conquering and to conquer, announcing that the bridegroom comes. Then the latter rain begins to fall to help finish the work. What will that early rain experience bring? Will they easily talk about Jesus? They must know the contents of that unsealed little book of Revelation 10 to witness. They eat it, it becomes part of them. I don't have the time to go over the quotes, but Ellen White has quotes that are very profound regarding that. They will clearly have the proper personal response to the challenges that Jesus gave to the seven churches. They will have a detailed insight into the three angels' messages of Revelation 14 which reveal God's character. Most of the time we just emphasize God's mercy, but there are three angels' messages really as a study of God's mercy and his justice. The Apostle John was given a unique vision of Christ coming down from heaven with a little unsealed book. He had his feet on the sea and on the land. It symbolized that message and that little book was to go to the whole world. Ellen White said that this little book was the unsealed portion of Daniel. That is part of Daniel 8 through 12 that was sealed and now unsealed. Then John witnessed and heard. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever. Who created the heavens and all that in them is. These are two gods taking an oath again with each other. Christ and the Father in heaven, just like in Daniel 12. The earth and all that is in it, and the sea and all that is in it. And then Christ said, as John is listening in, there will be no more delay. We find in King James Version, the translation is incorrect. That phrase, no more delay, has been added in the newer translations. It's a timing comment that Jesus has at this particular point. During the era that this little book was to be understood comes the message that a time will no longer be delayed. It has been on hold. Now it's no longer to be delayed. What time? The next chapter states 42 months or 1260 days. That will then usher God's people towards Christ's coming now just a timing period away. God is waiting for a group of individuals who are spiritual and mentally equipped and who are under his power, ready to finish the work. Might you be one of those now getting ready? Event number three, for laws to be made that restrict religious liberty, there must be a growing willingness by the government and the courts to challenge Christians' convictions and undermine their freedom to express them. Recent examples in the United States, a lady wouldn't sell a marriage license to a homosexual couple. This resulted in jail and later loss of her job. Inability to worship in churches because of COVID-19. A baker of cakes in Denver, Colorado would not bake for a homosexual wedding.
The courts closed his business. It went to the Supreme Court. They reversed the state's decision. He reopened his business. The state again shut him down over technicality. And at the moment, today, this morning, he still can't open his business. A lady florist in Washington wouldn't sell flowers for a homosexual wedding. Her business had to close. Quotations from the Bible have been banned by Facebook. You may have seen the news on Thursday of this week, the speech that President Biden gave. In that speech, he basically said that the parts of the Constitution, I'm trying to remember exactly his words, are really not that important and of none effect. And so it was very, very profound, and we have been anticipating that kind of attitude to have from our Washington leaders. Many judges and lawyers have real hatred towards Christians. This was especially seen in Arizona to young Christian lady artists who had to close down their wedding invitation business because they chose who would be served. The Supreme Court of that state said sexual rights take a precedence over religious rights. A study the Family Research Council and Liberty Institute showed that an anti-Christian sentiment is growing at breakneck speed in the United States. This hostility has become alarming. There are hundreds of cases that are current legal issues here in the U.S. Consider that in the past year, the radical left, with whose big media, big tech, big education, big Hollywood, forgive me, and the entire Democratic Party totally identify with, has succeeded in indicting the freest, most welcoming, and least racist nation on earth as irredeemably racist. Inciting violent Marxist revolutionaries to riot, vandalize, loot, and burn parts of American cities. They can be activated within 48 hours. It's just amazing. It's all organized. Abandoning their former safe, legal, and rare stance on abortion in favor of wanton celebration of late-term abortion up to the moment of birth and now beyond in some states. Encouraging innocent children to irreversibly ruin their lives by chemically and sometimes surgically transitioning to the opposite sex, a scientific impossibility. And again, using the COVID pandemic as a cover for imposing unprecedented totalitarian control over Americans. More and more reports are coming out that masks are really not needed, that this whole pandemic really is not or has not been worse than actually the annual flu that we suffer from. Event number four, immorality. The Great Controversy notes that the declining moral state of society will be one of the causes for the Sunday laws. It is most interesting that six years after the Wounded Beast, 1870, and we'll talk more about that this afternoon, which was healed in 1929, cultural Marxism began to infiltrate the United States through Columbia University in New York. Its roots began in Frankfurt, Germany. This permissive philosophy has since morphed America irrevocably. 
The agenda was to undermine Christianity and promote sexual freedom among young people. University trained the basis for this movement. Children were educated to accept sexual liberation as culturally acceptable. Then as the social structure fragments, control and tyranny of the masses would be easy. And I think we're beginning to see that psychodynamics in our culture today. There, there is a direct correlation between this movement and the explosive, agitated, anti-Christian spirit now in America. This cultural state is now what the left wants and what is needed as a backlash, we'll mention mo mo in a moment, to have religious laws come in. Political activism, violence, hate speech, judicial activism against Christian convictions, decreasing numbers of individuals claiming to be Christian, and the shattering of the dignity of sex, gender, and marriage are all staged to create chaos, control, and laws that restrict religious liberty. Ellen White carried this even further. The teachings of religious leaders have opened the door to infidelity, to spiritualism, and to contempt for God's holy law. And upon these leaders rest a fearful responsibility for the iniquity that exists in the Christian world. Yet this very class put forth the claim that the fast-spreading corruption is largely attributable to the desecration of the so-called Christian Sabbath. And that the enforcement, and that word is key in Ellen G. White's writings, of Sunday observance would greatly improve the morals of society. This claim is especially urged in America where the doctrine of the true Sabbath has been most widely preached. The media, internet, entertainment industry idolize the female body and sex. Sex education has become explicit even down to eight-year-olds. However, Terrible natural disasters will turn citizens against these cultural trends. They will clearly bring a state of helplessness with a major loss. There will be a sudden realization that the only place to turn is to God. That will sensitize people to be open to religious laws and, we should add, tyranny. Event number five. As the prophetic beast has ten horns, the world must be divided into ten divisions. In 1942, the United States Department, along with the Carnegie Institute for Endowment for Peace, divided the world without knowing the Bible into ten divisions. This map was refined in 1973 by the Club of Rome. It became the geopolitical framework for the New World Order, which is predicted in Revelation 17, the ten horns give power unto the beast. This great reset is now underway and very necessary for the Sunday laws to come in. A growing passion for a united world is an agenda of the Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Gutierrez, and Pope Francis. Their dream is based on those ten divisions. Though they don't link the parallel to the beast with the ten horns, God has directed it that way. 
You may be aware we follow the Catholic Church's news items quite closely in our ministry. And this past Wednesday, Pope Francis spoke out in a major way that we need right now a world government to bring peace and solace to what's going on. It is not ten divisions of Europe, which is another Adventist issue from history, or the EU. The Bible refers to them as kings, the ten kings of the whole earth. This is already made up. There is then to be ahead of those divisions. The Bible tells us how that will develop. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are united in yielding their power and authority to the beast, Revelation 17. Then, in Revelation 13, which comes after 17, those ten horns have crowns. Then the dragon gives power and authority to that sea beast. The papal beast will become that world head. E.G. White affirms this to be that world power in the great controversy. The beast, the harlot rides with no crowns on its horn, is recorded in Revelation 17, verse 3 onward. Those horns are the world kings who give the papacy power and authority. The beast with crowns on its horns, which we'll focus on this afternoon more, that comes out of the sea. And that is found in Revelation 13.1. Those horns now have kingdoms. They with the beast persecute God's people. Verse 7. We know where those ten regions will be from. Those geopolitical maps. That beast is called the Holy See. Soon the leaders of the world will give geopolitical power to the papacy. Popes have been talking seriously about their world leadership since Pope John Paul II. Prophecy is waiting for a deeper coalition of these ten world regions to work together and then with Rome. And that is one I might add, one of the reasons that China is giving so much problems right now to Taiwan and then it will follow with the Philippines. They are to be under China in this new world order. The State Department calls it a new moral order. The Bible says that the pivotal moral issue will relate to the Sunday Sabbath. Event number six, the world wonders. Both Pope John Paul II and Benedict XVI previously spoke out that the world needs a moral leader. Both meaning, of course, the papal head. Pope Francis has spoken out about saying anything negative against the church. He said, if you say anything negative against the Catholic Church, it is criticizing the church Christ established, whose head is a successor to the apostle Peter, i.e., don't criticize me. It cannot be minimized that the world's figure are meeting with him nearly weekly at the Vatican. Pope Francis' strong concern for climate change fits into the New World Order agenda. The Vatican was a major participant in the International Climate Conference in Poland in December of 2018. Since then, 
he frequently addresses the need to protect our home. And you do that with a world government. Pope Francis is the most followed world leader on Twitter. The world will be wondering after the beast when it feels that helplessness. It will peak when Satan gives the papacy unique power and authority. We are waiting and we are watching. Event number seven, calamities that cause helplessness. Men in responsible positions will point to calamities on land and sea, to the storms of wind, the floods, the earthquakes, the destruction by fire, as judgments indicating God's displeasure because Sunday is not sacredly observed. These calamities will increase more and more. One disaster will follow close upon the heels of another. This falsehood is Satan's device that he may ensnare the unwary. Christ noted that this would be a time of sorrows, wars, and calamities. In the Greek, it actually says that these will come like a lady in labor. They will be more frequent and they will be more severe. They are accelerating in intensity and cost, beginning in the 1978 to the 1983 window. Soon there will be helplessness. This is a graph from the Catholic Church, the Department of Epidemiology in, in Bulgaria. They have some of the best data and statistics on calamities in the world, and they are keeping it updated almost every week. And I don't have 2020 there, but it, it's quite a bit higher than the 2019 point. The trend was established, as you can see, Christ said it's like a lady in labor. You can see the trend statistically was established in that little window. And now we know for sure that that prophecy is being fulfilled. Event number eight, judicial activism, upholding illegal activity. America is passing laws that impede religious liberty, permitting social media to block the expression of personal convictions and limiting the freedom of worship as one chooses. The Constitution is being undermined and the moral and the normal checks and balances are simply not working. And I think with what President Biden said this last Thursday morning, it's very frightful. Low-level judges now have the ability to block U.S. President's executive orders. There are cultural dynamics at work Manipulate convictions long enough and an element of submission to authority is strengthened. Society then becomes a victim. If, however, things happen that lead to helplessness like calamities, the victims seek for their own solutions. Adventists know that getting back to God will seem to be a reasonable answer to natural disasters. Requiring Sunday worship will seem to be an easy and logical step, and that's where the Sunday laws will come in. <coughs> Political corruption is destroying love of justice and regard for truth. And even in free America, rulers and legislators, in order to secure public favor, will yield to the popular demand, that's the public wanting it, for a law enforcing Sunday observance. 
liberty of conscience will, which has cost so great a sacrifice, will no longer be respected. In the soon coming conflict, we shall see exemplified the prophet's words, the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Currently, COVID-19 has become a softening tool. The giving of rescue checks is rewarding people for their submission. In addition, it is well known that you tell the public a lie long enough, they will believe it. Hitler in World War II knew that and used it against his people. The COVID statistics are overblown. The CDC has not been honest with the American people, but it has all played politically well into the doctrine of submission, working within, within America and really actually the world. The psychological stage is set for rescuing religious laws and also for a new world order, just like there's a cry from the Vatican on right now. <laughs> Event number nine, mob riots. To accept a negative reaction, incidentally some of these things are happening right now to set the stage for Sunday laws. To accept a negative reaction or even hatred against a segment belief of Christianity, there must be a growing tolerance and acceptance of mob activity. Even tolerance of destructive violence without legal repercussions ready society to react against a religious belief. There has been acceptance of unauthorized marches that block traffic, access to businesses and impede the privacy of others. This calluses minds and justifies the thought that might work for me when it is necessary, perhaps when I need to get back to God. We're reminded of Jesus' warning you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Maxine Waters, Democrat of California, Cory Booker of New Jersey, in a well-coordinated attack on traditional conservative Americans, simultaneously called for Democratic supporters to engage in extreme intimidation of conservative Republicans and the Trump cabinet members when Trump started his office. No matter where they are, they do not want conservatives or leaders to feel safe in public or even in their homes. Hillary Clinton said, we won't become civil until we win back leadership in Washington. Things are taking an uncivil direction right now in this country. As we approach the pearls of the last days, the temptations of the enemy will become stronger and more determined. Satan has come down in great power, working with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. <laughs> Event number 10, economic problems, especially in the United States. Prophecy clearly shows a revengeful spirit against God's loyalists. This leads to persecution the beast was permitted to go to war against the saints and conquer them. 13.7. This is revealed in Daniel, Revelation, 
and Christ's eschatologic discourse in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. One reason for this will be the financial hardship that will come to America. This is a prophetic issue in Revelation 18. The class that have provoked the displeasure of heaven will charge all their troubles upon those whose obedience to God's commandments is a perpetual reproof to transgressors. It will be declared that men are offending God by the violation of the Sunday Sabbath, that this sin has brought calamities which will not cease until suddenly, whoops, I'm sorry, Sunday observance shall be strictly enforced and that those who present the claims of the fourth commandment, thus destroying reverence for Sunday, are troublers of the people preventing their restoration to divine favor, and here it is, and temporal prosperity. Recall Daniel's prophecy in 1145, just before the Antichrist, king of the north, ceases to exist. It says, he shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and of silver and all the riches of Egypt. Egypt symbolizes the wicked world. The Vatican Bank has direct ties to the Bank of International Settlements, which is over all the world banks. We continue to watch Rome's leadership in this prophecy. Also, another concern will go up right at the end. The Revelation 13 prophecy notes that God's people will not be able to buy or sell unless they have the mark of the beast. And that is actually at the very, very end. Event number 11 powerful USA president. The, excuse me, the power and influence of the earth beast in Revelation 13.11 on suggests that this country must be led by a strong leader. He would not only be able to work with the world leaders but would have life and death power over its citizens. This individual will speak for Satan and work hand in glove with the papacy. Who will be that leader? I think at this moment in time, we can't make even speculation. Event number 12, Satan appears as an angel of light. In the last days, Satan will appear as an angel of light, and we'll discuss that as part of Revelation 13's prophecy this afternoon. With great power and heavenly glory, and claim to be the Lord of the whole earth, he will declare that the Sabbath has been changed from the seventh to the first day of the week. And as Lord of the first day of the week, he will present this spurious Sabbath as a test of loyalty to him. Then will take place, then, that's a timing sequence, then will take place the final fulfillment of the Revelator's prophecy, and she quotes, and they worshiped, the dragon which gave power to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things, blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty-two months. Then she quotes verses 6 through 18. So she is distinctly mentioning forty-two months in her writings. She alludes to it many other places, but this is the only reference where she distinctly says there's going to be three and a half years at the end. 
The mark of the beast or Sabbath crises will last for three and a half years. This was first introduced in Daniel, in seventh chapter, and then in Daniel 12. Event 13, Protestants will unite. The voice of the Protestant world in the United States will become unified in asking for Sunday laws. The Protestants of the United States will be foremost in stretching their hand across the Gulf to grasp the hand of spiritualism. They will reach over the abyss to clasp the hands with the Roman power. And under the influence of this threefold union, this country will follow in the steps of Rome and trampling on the rights of conscience. That this quotation really should be the subject of a whole seminar. This is a major issue. Protestants will not be aware initially that their coalition will adversely affect many Jewish people, Seventh-day Adventists, Seventh-day Baptists, and many Muslims. But a point in time will reveal its tyranny on religious liberty. Protestants work closely with the Obama administration to help welcome Pope Francis to the White House in 2015. Rick Warren, senior pastor of the megachurch in Saddleback in Orange County, said of Francis, he is our Pope. Event number 14, secularization of Christianity. To support what lies ahead against God's people, there must be a major change in the spiritual commitment of Protestants. The Apostle Paul noted the horrific sins that would come into the church before the end in 2 Timothy 3. Ellen White says the great issue so near at hand will weed out those whom God has not appointed and he will have a pure, true, sanctified ministry prepared for the latter reign. And I think that period of time will be during that last three and one half years. That suggests that the weeding out might begin before even the last three and a half years begins. A new life is proceeding from satanic agencies to work with a power we have not hitherto realized. And shall not a new power from above take possession of God's people? There will be apostates, Christians in name only, and the converted to the church. When we approach that major point of Sunday enforcement, they will be sifted out, thus division and trouble within the church before then is to be expected. This is a simple overview of where Adventist attention needs to be focused. It is sensational to watch the Vatican and their sympathetic interest in Sunday worship, but that goes back to the 1800s and it really is already in their DNA. Our challenge is to be sensitive to the things that will drive other Christians to want Sunday legislation. I hope this has been a help to you this morning. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we desire to have the wisdom from above to understand what lies ahead. We need wisdom, Heavenly Father, not to add to the Holy Word or take away from the Holy Word, but to understand the great purpose of prophecy, what lies ahead, how we need to be in relationship to you and to all your principles to prepare for heaven and to help prepare others for heaven. Lord, help us to be accurate 
precise and careful as we study the things that lie ahead of us, that we might give the right message, a convicting message to others, to bring them also to the foot of the cross. Bless us now as we bring this meeting to an end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.